Minecraft Bedrock Edition and Resident Evil 3 Remake. What else were we supposed to see at State of Play? Hello and welcome to another Christmas episode of Triangle Squared. We hope that those of you who watch us enjoyed the uh, the nice set, uh, which we are continuing into this week. It is still Christmas themed with our crackling fireplace in the background. If you hated us for having that come through the mics, let us know and we'll turn it down. We like it for ourselves, I think. I, I, it makes a great white noise. I don't even know you can hear that. I don't know that you can either, but just in case you can, let us know if you do hate it. we got to hide uh, the lights before Blaze comes over again. We're dickish at best. Yes. Uh, well, they're not on the table this time, so that he hopefully cannot destroy them and ruin them in any fashion. But um, if you watch our off-topic show, Dickish at Best, then you will see that Blaze destroys everything that he touches. But if this is your first time <laughs> finding us, we are Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, and we do talk about, of course, PlayStation. PlayStation, but of the uh, competition they have as well from not only the manufacturing uh, and console manufacturer side like Microsoft or Nintendo, but also, of course, their publishing competition in the way of things like, well, partners and competition, but Ubisoft, uh, EA, and things that we see all of them do that we'd like to see either PlayStation uh, learn from and, and, and maybe mimic or have their own version of, or that they, we want to see them avoid, all of those things. Uh, of course, if you want to, you can watch us on YouTube and see the beautiful set, or you can listen to us on podcast services. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with us, you can always do that down in the comments section if you are watching on YouTube, uh, or if you want to chime in and be part of the community's take section, which we get to before we get the episode really going. Um, you can do so by going and finding us on social media at Twitter at Triangle SQRD over on Facebook in Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, which is a group that you can be asked to enter uh, into and we'll gladly let you in or over on our discord where you can find us in our moment to moment day to day lives with a lot of the other people in the community. And we've got uh, a community stake section for you to be able to discuss the community stake. Um, podcast discussion where if you just want to uh, share your thoughts with anything we talked about throughout any given episode of the podcast or any part of it uh, or of course just general chat from things like movie music any different things you can go find us over there uh, but <clears throat> one thing I want to talk about before we get too far in so I don't forget again I meant to do it last week and ended up having to post it over on social media uh with our community, we like to give. Uh, we every year so far we've done our own version of awards, and we've changed it up every year and exactly how we go about doing that. This year, what we're going to do to determine the community's game of the year um, section uh, is an idea that uh, came to us from uh, our own community member, Mr. Blake Popst, and his idea was to have everybody send in a list of their ten games uh, of of the year, and in a system in which the first game listed so number one is worth 10 points number two is worth nine points and you keep going until number 10 is worth one point um and then what we'll do is we'll pull all those points together and the game that has the most points of course takes the cake as the game of the year and then we'll have some runner-ups that we can talk about that come in second and third for honorable mention uh and that's how we're going to do it so if you want to be part of that uh, it is over uh you can send us your list on an email it's just a little easier to keep up with and gives us something that's dedicated to it so it's triangle squared spelled out g-o-t-y game of the year uh, at gmail.com i'll try and remember to put it in the description of the of the video and the podcast send us your list we want to see what the community has to say and uh, we, we love seeing what everybody is because this is a really weird year i think saul would agree 
Game of the Year discussion is going to be super weird this time around because this is one of the only years in memory that it seems like not only did some of the games that I think are going to be on the top of some people's list from the discussions we've had seem like they came out forever ago, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. Doesn't it feel like Resident Evil 2 Remake came out like years ago for yeah, some reason? It feels Yeah, it feels a lot longer than just February. Yeah. So it's really interesting. This year's been <laughs> really slow for PlayStation fans. So it's it's kind of, I think that's attributing to it for the most part. Is that we're we're we've been kind of slowly getting big releases, but they've been scattered throughout the entire of the year. So it kind well, of makes the year go by real slow. Yeah, and of course we got things like we got first party games this gener or this year, but not as much in the triple A sector as we were. Which means that some people have that feeling like we've talked about of it seems like PlayStation's gone more quiet when really it's almost like they just went more quiet in their biggest moments and decided to go more towards things like Concrete, Concrete Genie uh, and a couple of their other, um, I don't want to say double A efforts, but more like um, more small efforts, of course, like Concrete Genie and like the, um, I can't remember the name of the game right now, but it was a little top down one that they announced at State of Play a while back. Um, and it was like a, I don't want to say Diablo, but it was kind of like that. It's a third-person isometric game, and it's killing me. I can't remember the name, but they've allocated their resources in different spots this year. Um, so it's definitely been weird. I mean, even Days Gone feels like I played it like more than a year ago, and I know that that's not the case. Yeah, Days Gone feels like last year to two years ago. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the ever-growing thing of where we felt like we heard about it forever, so it just was in our memory for so long that it starts to feel like an old game. Yeah. I don't know. But regardless, uh, please send us in uh, your your list so that we can pull those together and see what you guys in the community have to say about it. Uh, but with that said, time to start the show off the right way. Saw what you've been up to, what you've been playing. Uh, we had a little bit of a discussion about it on one part, and... Uh, Sadly, it seemed like you weren't having a great time. But what else did you play? Uh, so I haven't turned my PS4 on at all this week up until Saturday. And that was to download and play Jedi Fallen Order, which I played for about an hour or two. And then I ended up going and doing some cleaning and stuff around the apartment and kind of relaxing. And I started uh, the new James Bond movies coming out. And I really, really like Daniel Craig as James Bond. And Skyfall is one of my favorite movies. So What's I, the name of that new movie? It's No like, Time to Die. No Time to Die. I, know, yeah. I was like, it's something along those lines. But yeah. And I, I, I never saw any of the movies after Skyfall. And so I really just kind of had a James Bond uh, marathon yesterday, starting with Casino Royale, kind of making my way up. There was and another one after Skyfall? Quantum of Solace. And, um, I thought Quantum one, of Solace was before Skyfall. Yeah, I was going to say Quantum of Solace and uh, Spectre are the two that I, I only saw once. And I didn't really remember them that well. So that was fun rewatching those because it goes Casino Royale, uh, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and then now No Time to Die. Okay, I thought it was the other way on. I don't know. Skyfall seemed like like, but you're right. It, it actually was quite a while. I don't really care for those movies. And yeah, I have no nothing against Daniel Craig. I just think that the idea of James Bond has just been beat to death already. Anyway, it so has. I'm kind of just tired well, of it. I like I like Daniel Craig as an actor, <clears throat> and that, that, that's the that's what makes it. Plus, there's a lot of other good actors in there. Yeah, this it is was, not like some Pierce Brosnan or Die moment for me. I don't care. But you know. no, those, some of those were really over the top. Saying not saying these are, but yeah. Um, I got to say, uh, see, Leah Sedu. And mm -hmm. she, she was mm -hmm. in um, Spectre. See, I didn't know that, but I saw her uh, because an advertisement for the trailer of um, No, time, know, to no time to Die. I saw that I was, was like, really hey. cool. Yeah, it was, it was really it's cool. It's fragile. Coincidentally enough, there's two people that have now been in James Bond movies that are in Death Stranding. Uh, who was the other one? Mads Mikkelsen was the bad guy in Casino Royale. Oh. So. Yeah, I forgot about that, actually, now that you say that. Casino Royale, uh, Royale came with my 
PlayStation 3? Three, probably, yeah. Uh, it was Casino Royale and Ratchet & Clank, uh, Future Tools of Destruction. And um, I didn't care for that movie at all. I love I love. Uh, I literally Royale. gave it away because <laughs> I, I didn't want it. But uh, I watched it just to see what a Blu-ray looked like, you know, which yeah. was, was impressive. I'll give it that. So I, I pretty much started that yesterday, and I've, I've been on the. I've been pretty much coming home every night this week, and uh, just sitting on the couch playing Breath of the Wild, and you're just going through that for fun. And I began playing Fallen Order today, and I ran into three separate crashes on top of a slew of other issues. Oh, I didn't even. Re- so all three of those were today. All three of those were today. All three of those today were in the were all in the same three hour time span. I was playing it. Gross. Like when I got up, decided and decided to go make dinner or not dinner, lunch and text you. It was ten o'clock, and I started playing the game at seven. So all in three hours, and I lost all three hours of that of that playthrough. So I was just like, "This is dumb." It frustrated me so much that I'm putting the game away for now. I'm not going to play it again for a while. I, I have no motivation to play that game again right now. So I know it eventually will pop up when I whenever I'm kind of. Uh, whenever it's kind of slow and maybe I have a, uh, a weekend of nothing that I'm really doing and I'll try to jump back into it hopefully after a patch or two but yeah it's it's absolutely ridiculous for a game this day and age to make me lose progress due to crashes well and it's crazy because Saul was already you know for, for those who don't know Saul was already kind of back and forth on whether he wanted to play Jedi, but he came over, of course, last no, weekend. Well, was, no, by the time I played it over here last weekend or the, or Thanksgiving, you kind of already decided. I, I, I was already were, on board with it. Yeah. After I saw like a 15 minute gameplay video of it, I was already on board with it. I will say though, I was kind of disappointed because I, I, I figured the story was going to be different than what it is. And I don't really want to discuss that because yeah, sure. Any kind of mild spoilers, but that's really been it this week. Have you played anything new? Um, well, of course, I got the platinum for Fallen Order, and this is this is a crazy thing. Of uh, it goes to show you how consoles and sometimes even the game, just from different things, can work differently. Uh, Saul had, of course, three different crashes and a three period. And the biggest thing seemed to come from apparently the game was not keeping his saves, even when he was saving yeah, at the meditation. That, I would meditate, and I meditated specifically in different spots. You know, I forced the game to save it. Your laptop was getting worse. Probably the the screen. Um, hashtag Brett needs a new laptop. So if any of you have just been on the fence about being a, a, pay, a patron, you know, hey. But uh, I, I joke. I mean, I do need one. This is a sad day. I don't know what happened, but I mean, I, I do. Hope. I know what happened, but I didn't expect it to be this bad. Whatever. Amazing story. I don't want to. I don't want to have to think about a short uh, a squirrel getting shot in the head for no other reason than I don't want to. And don't be wrong. It, it's it's nothing of. Uh, it's nothing of. I am perfectly fine with hunting. I don't understand why people are. This is a weird story. Kid was. I'll save it for Dickish at best. I guess I'll have to because it just. It it was weird. And and my laptop suffered the consequences. Yeah, but see, you didn't have these issues that I have at all uh, in that game. So. the, the one thing I did have a problem with in the game was when I was playing the game in the uh, resolution mode, which bumps it into its, uh, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, checkerboarded or even upscaled 4K. I actually don't know which resolution uh, setup it uses, but uh, it puts it into some form of 4K uh, at 30 frames per second. I would have frame drops down to about 25 occasionally, which is enough to kind of annoy you, but not bad enough to make the game unplayable. So I decided to check out the uh, performance mode, which forces it down to 1080p but gives it a lock 60 supposedly and it did for me i didn't have a single frame drop after that uh never had the game crash on me the entirety of the time i was playing the game so when saul came here i was and told me that the game crashed on him three times and wasn't holding his saves and that he had to look up to make sure the meditation spot does indeed save your game uh it really surprised me 
I I genuinely was taken back because I do remember hearing about the game being very buggy at launch, but there's been an update uh, that clearly fixed most of the problems. Uh, uh, the one thing that I did have, uh, again, prior to the performance mode was uh, texture pop-in, which completely, not completely, it very much minimized when I went to performance mode again. So both of those things kind of made the game pull together the way it should have for me. Um, unfortunate. Uh, but I did get the Platinum in that game, and I highly enjoyed it. It's not the most revolutionary game by any standpoint, but it's a solid game, and I think that Star Wars needed a solid Star Wars game um, due to all the stuff that's going around it. And I think it also proves that uh, there is plenty of life in a single-player Star Wars games because uh, uh, EA has been dead set on just making multiplayer Star Wars games, which I think that there is clearly... a also an appeal for. Uh, I think the world of Star Wars is rife for people to want to run around and play as their favorite characters and kill each other from the fact that the original Battlefronts were clearly fan-favorite games. Give me a new KOTOR game. I'm really surprised that we haven't gotten something like that, but I think it's one of those things that's dependent on a studio that can do that, trying to do something like that. Unless, well, if it's going to be KOTOR. Because the thing about it comes down to, if it doesn't at least keep some of the Knights of the Old Republic things about the game like the the things that you'd expect from it like uh, some of the mechanic decisions and the general rpg nature of it if you're not going to do that then don't really do it yeah you know what i mean i think it's better to if you don't intend to make a similar style of a game which is an in-depth star wars rpg if you're not going to do that then just make a new star wars game a different one which is what they did here and i think that that responded a pretty good job uh, clearly there's some issues with it it's bugginess across different consoles and your mileage may vary, as they like to say. That's true. Uh, but after Star Wars, I started Resident Evil 2 uh, Remake because I was trying to think of what to do next. And one of the things I wanted to do as we get closer to our Game of the Year discussions was make sure that I could clearly talk on enough of the games this, gen uh, this year that I really think were going to be people's uh, contenders so that I could at least speak on them from a... Either A, end up getting a new game of the year from what I already have, uh, but at least be able to speak from a point of authority and, uh, and and experience on the on the games for Resident Evil 2 Remake and Devil May Cry 5. Both games I wanted to play, just this year has, schedule-wise, has really gotten away with me with games it's been hard to keep up with. And I did make an point to play some smaller games because I thought they were more interesting, so... Uh, yeah, on Resident Evil 2 right now, um, for anybody who knows, I'm in the laboratory section of the game. Um... So I think I'm pretty far, if I'm remembering Resident Evil 2 right. It's been a little while. I'm, I'm far on Leon's sequence, I should say. Um, I'm, I'm nearing the end of the laboratory as far as my memory serves uh, in, in terms of playing a Resident Evil 2 back in the day. Have you been to the sewers? Yeah. Because there's two different kind of laboratory areas. That's what I'm asking. Mm. Okay. I just didn't know which ones you were at yet. No, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the Umbrella Underground labs okay. that, you, that are after the sewers. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, but yeah. So, Game's good, isn't it? Oh, the game's fantastic. It does a lot of things. Uh, it, it, it brings up a really weird thing that I'll definitely talk about more when we go to talk about Game of the Year stuff. Uh, but this is more of an overarching thing about games that I find interesting. Um, you have games like Pokemon right now that are trying to introduce gameplay mechanics that have been well, commonplace in the situation of... They've been commonplace in games for the last uh, decade, at least, right? You see Pokemon trying to add like a free roam camera and a open world, uh, a more open world design that feels more open and a little less linear driven. And Pokemon, yeah. me and your brother were talking about this the other day. Pokemon's always been open world, 
but it's always been rooted and or routed, whatever you want to call it. Like that word is very legit because the game is broken up into city route, route, route. What they're trying to do with this game, even though the games have always had side content and off of the beaten path things, it's not linear, but it, at the same time, it doesn't necessarily feel open. So they're trying to do a lot of stuff in that route and they're trying to play catch up with things that are within the last 10 years uh, and getting very mixed reception across that. But then you see games like Resident Evil 2 Remake and then even newer games that uh, like Star Wars Jedi that are bringing back like the idea of a safe spot, which has not really been that commonplace in the last 10 years. And different things are using them. I'm not going to say at all, but in the mainstream of things, these are things that had to be pushed back into the idea of mainstream gaming from bigger games randomly blowing up when executives didn't quite expect them to. Nobody expected Demon Souls or Dark Souls rather to well, grow I, up and, 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 and bring back a lot of the older design languages. I gave you a look for two different reasons. One, because of what you just said. Two is because that didn't save crap for me. <laughs> yes, I know that. Uh, and uh, that I don't know what's going on with there. But it still comes back to the idea of uh, the, some games are finding a lot of use in bringing back more obtuse and weird gameplay things that, that were commonplace during the PS1 era. And throughout the PS3 era, we really started to see the idea of how can you make it easier in the player with autosave and uh, more straightforward things where the game tells you everything that you need to know. Whereas once Demon Souls and Dark Souls started coming back up, a lot of people started re-loving the idea of, hey, what happens if you bring back things from the uh, NES, NES, and PS1 era of where the game doesn't completely tell you everything, and a lot of it's about you discovering what you can do on your own. And I actually think that that's part of what makes Breath of the Wild compelling to a lot of people as well, is the idea that the game doesn't tell you everything you can do. You can learn what you can do just by experimenting. Yeah. And that's one of the things of uh, Resident Evil that's really interesting. I don't think that if you talk to somebody who started playing games... Um, within the last generation, if they haven't played a game like Resident Evil 2 Remake, it would seem very wild and probably like no one had ever done anything like it before when you're doing the things of like going into your inventory and then spinning it around and finding latches and stuff that you can click just by viewing the 3D model and separating things. It's it's game design that I think would force a lot of... A lot of people would get stumbled on because you wouldn't think about it. And uh, you, you it's like... In PT, when you're going through the hallway and people had to like, what? You have to go into the start menu to find a piece of a picture that's on a brain to pull it back. It's things that you wouldn't expect to do uh, in more commonplace game, but at point in time, I think that it was more common. You know, yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting playing uh, a Resident Evil game that is designed and played mechanically like the original was in a lot of ways, while also having the more modern things you'd like, like a like a free controlled camera uh, and whatnot. So it's it's a real fun situation, and I'm really curious to see what Devil May Cry 5 brings to the table and and how it chooses to, since one's a remake, but also a slight reimagining, and, yeah, and one's I like a that about sequel, it. I want to see how both of these franchises that have been around for a long time, that are both from Capcom, what transition it, yeah, differently. Like, does Devil May Cry 5 find, and, and this is something I genuinely don't know, does it try and push the series forward with more modern-like design, or does it try and iterate on some of the more classic-like design that we had in the past? And I think it's the latter, but it I'm is. curious to see at how it chooses it's to do It's a mixture so. of both, yeah. it, mainly with the, with the latter, yeah. Which is great, because that's technically what Resident Evil 2 is. You yeah. know, the remake is, it's a mixture of new things that you'd expect to see in the game, well, you, but were, with every aspect of the original. Story. Yeah, you were talking about the inventory system <clears> and Discord, and I'm like, yep, that's Resident Evil, baby. Yeah. You're used to it. Yeah, and, and it's weird because it brought it back in 7, but not... 
I don't remember seven having exactly the same setup of the way they choose to do the like the suitcase or whatever. Yeah, the, the you know, bag. It, it's it was. I mean, it kind of was and it kind of wasn't. I like it because it, it creates more tension. Like it does. especially early game, you needed to figure out what you need to carry in. Yes, that can and be you, very detrimental. Yeah, you have to have the scarcity mindset. That uh, you know, games like um, that's one of the things. Games like they had it in Dead Space. But not to the same extent because you're you don't create your own ammo from things that you can pick up. So it's just it is different, and it does create an interesting idea to puzzle solving. So really enjoying the game. Um, I'm glad a lot of people recommended it to me, uh, and I, even though I have to, I'd already decided that's what I was going to start. So I, I've been having a great time with it, and I uh, I, I can't wait. I don't know if I'm going to immediately play Claire's scenario. I think I may go to Devil May Cry 5 after Leon's and then see if I have enough time to swing back around to Claire's. I would I would do that, honestly. I, I don't know if... Partially because I just don't know if I if I keep playing Claire's with the way my schedule's set up. I don't know if I'll have time to get to Devil May Cry 5 before our discussion. Yeah. So I'm kind of in that thing of where I want to make sure I... Even if I if I get one, one scenario of Resident Evil 2 under me, I think it's enough for me to be able to clearly talk about the game. And then I can still hopefully get Devil May Cry 5 and clearly talk about it. So either way. That makes sense. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to go into the community stake section before we head over into the news. And the community stake was very simple this time around. It was asking. (laughs) Sorry, I have had uh, bronchitis. Yucky. Yeah, I got it from my daughter. So is what it is. but the community's take was, of course, in relation to the last episode where we were talking about 25 years of PlayStation behind us, uh, and we were sharing some of our favorite memories. Uh, and, of course, we wanted to reach out and see what were your favorite memories from the brand, uh, from games that you played to system launches or whatever memories you had tied into the system. And the great thing about that was kind of like what I chose to do last week was talk about memories that were more tied into something that was a greater memory of a time period. And there was actually a couple of other people that did that. And I love that idea. Uh, so to that uh, extent, uh, Mr. Rob Henry, who runs his own uh, podcast called Warp Point, go check it out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Over on Discord, he mentioned, my favorite memory was the summer of 2002. I was 12 and had a kick-ass attic. I had my own living room complete with surround sound and a mini fridge. Me and my best friend spent all summer playing as many RPGs as we could. We cut grass and saved money for them for four days a week and then played pretty much the rest of the time. We beat Final Fantasy 7 through 10, Legend of Dragoon, Legend of Lagaya, Saga Frontier 2, Parasite Eve 1 and 2, Threads of Fate, Xenogears, and Vagrant Story. Which I have to tell you, is an, an eventful summer. Yeah, that's a very long summer. That is so many games. And I, I almost am a little curious, uh, Rob, if, if you feel, feel free to expand more on it. Was it both of you kind of taking turns and just watching each other play uh, and kind of just doing whatever or was it one of you playing and watching the other or taking turns per game like one of you played seven final fantasy seven one of you played eight um either way interesting story Uh, and he says we finished 10 last because we didn't get a ps2 until late summer it was so dope we ate pizza and drank tea constantly we had the same five cds on repeat all summer i wish i could go back when and you know i've talked plenty of times in this podcast about the the wonder of certain games that let you put music on over them and then how weirdly you tie those two things together tony hawk's pro skater 2 and Linkin Park's uh, uh, Hybrid Theory album are just, if I play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, which I've done in the last you know five years, I immediately think of that album. It's almost like I have to have it on. Yeah. And then if I'm listening to Hybrid Theory, I get a real big urge to go back and play 
Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. That's all like I am with Halo 2 and Meteora. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So it's, it's one of those weird things, but I love that. Uh, and, and that's a great... That's a great wholesome collective memory of it was all based around the idea of what can we do, you know, to to do that. And I have a little tie in memory that I think is fun about this. One of my birthdays, because it was kind of a similar setup, um, I was in middle school and my buddy Mark came over because I decided I was like, I don't want a bunch of people over. I just want one friend. So Mark came over and my house out in the country, there used to be a trailer behind it that we lived in when I was a kid uh, and we still owned it. But when the new house got built, we had set up to where we rented it for a while. And then the person who rented it kind of just left town randomly. So we just had it. And my mom let me and my buddy Mark stay over there with a couple of pizzas and drinks and stuff. And we had two TVs set up and two PlayStation 2 set up. And we were just playing all sorts of stuff from Midnight Club 3, which he brought over because I'd never played it. So we were playing Midnight Club 3 Dub Edition. uh, And we were playing... Excuse me, I hope I'm not like this all episode, but uh, playing a bunch of games. We were really into racing games at the time, so I was playing Need for Speed Underground 2 because uh, I also had a GameCube with that on it, and uh, we were switching around to that. So great times, great memories. I, I love that one. Um, so you want to choose one from uh, Facebook, or, or do you got anything open? You lazy. How am I going to choose one from Facebook? No, not Facebook. Twitter. Go choose one yeah, from Twitter. I'll choose one from Twitter, which I do have open. And it's Shadowist, who's actually mirroring what you said in a way. Uh, he said, the first game I had on PS2 was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Mm. Probably played it for a billion hours with my stepbrother. This was during the great memory card shortage, but my dad somehow managed to get one. Do you remember that? No. Oh, man, it was rough times. So it was real early in the PS2 life cycle. <clears throat> I only remember it because my dad had a PlayStation 2, uh, and my mom... It's one of those weird things. My mom bought my dad a PlayStation 2 trying to like save their marriage. It was a very odd thing. Uh, and I... I was sick the day that my mom gave it to him in the morning and he was off and my mom had to go to work. So I got to stay home. I was feeling terrible, slept for a number of hours, woke up. My dad was playing NASCAR 2002, 2001. It was a blue bag disc, uh, 2001. And I woke up and he was like, do you want to play? So me and my dad just spent the rest of the day playing uh, that. But yeah, that was a setup. My dad got the PlayStation. My mom was like, I couldn't buy you a memory card because they don't have any. And started looking. My dad was looking for a PlayStation uh, for a memory card for like two months before he finally found an eight megabyte, <laughs> the only size that that's, was available. That's the yellow ones, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it wasn't yellow. It's a black one, uh, but they did have a yellow version of it. Okay, that, that that's the a, one I had. That was an off-brand one. The Mad Cats. Yeah. Why wow, was off-brand? Or why I had it because they had save. Uh, they had problems because they would compress. They would double compress your data. They were they were sixteen megabytes actually. Actually, yeah, I think uh, they were. but they were only eight megabytes that twice compressed your save. So they actually had a lot of problems with them corrupting save files great times trying to think <clears throat> over on facebook we got one real quick though uh, mr josh drago says getting my 100th platinum playing a lot of co-op games during the ps3 era till 4 a.m with friends ps3 era was rife with great co-op games um and what's weird is i remember in that generation there was a lot of people that were lamenting the lack of co-op but there really was a lot more than what you've seen this generation. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like every generation we're getting further and further away from the idea of co-op, at least in bigger games. But I'll give indies their uh, their their go through. They've done a lot to make co-ops uh, co-op games really fun. Uh, Portal Two uh, is one of the best uh, little co-op experiences on PS3. Also, great game. Uh, <clears throat> you got another one on Twitter? Uh, yeah. Before I, mean, I bounce over to community, stuff I actually I, I kind of I found it kind of funny. Um, Ryan said. Jesus, I have so many, I have to ponder, and they never gave us one. <gasps> Ryan. So, Ryan, you owe us a community's take question. His, his answer is so many. <laughs> I guess so. Two-minute account. 
Uh, over on Discord, though, we've got Mr. Blake, who says, Favorite memories are, one, getting my first PS2 and a copy of ATV Off-Road Fury, which, first of all, if you don't know about Off-Road Fury, you're missing out. Played the hell out of that game. And two, Bloodborne, struggling with the first area for weeks and finally getting through that and now being able to fairly easily beat most of that game, just perfection. That's a great one. Um, a tie into the Bloodborne story. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before. I let my coworker Mario, borrow Bloodborne. And for about two and a half weeks, he only played the first section and could not get through it. But every day he'd come to work, he'd go, I got a little further. I got a little farther. And then he got to the boss fight for Gaswan. He couldn't beat it. And he finally just gave up. He's the, <laughs> Two and a half weeks, he goes, man, he's like, I love the game and hate the game. But I just can't keep doing this to myself. Yeah. And, uh, and finally gave up. So you exist on the other side of that spectrum, Blake. You, uh, you survived. Um, Offered Fury, though. I love that a lot of these memories I have tie-ins to. Offered Fury, uh, ATV Offered Fury 2 was the first game that we got for our PlayStation 2. When we finally got a PlayStation 2 ourselves, not just my dad's because my parents were divorced at that point. When we finally got our own, uh, my uncle up in Berryville, he bought us, uh, me and Trace both... Uh, it was, you know, we had one place in two. So we got uh, ATV Offered Fury 2. And that game is not only incredibly fun, the open world idea of that was a really good idea back in the day, uh, while also having the most banging soundtracks. I don't know if you, did you ever play those games, Saul? Yeah, I think so. I played one for GameCube, but I don't know if that's the same thing or not. ATV Offered Fury 2 had uh, Static X, if I'm remembering correctly. I know that it had corn and it had a lot of stuff from uh, Follow the Leader on it. Um, fantastic. I mean, just a great game. And I, it's one of those things where, dude, I remember so many of those types of games, like the racing and uh, and recreational um, vehicle games, had such great soundtracks. Uh, do you remember Dave Mira BMX on PS1? I hated those games. I love that game. And I know that me and, uh, me and Ryan have talked about it in the past. Uh, the level where there's a train that separates the uh, thing and you've got to wait for the opening of the train and jump across the train tracks to be able to get to the other side of the track. Uh and it had Sublime's uh, Love Is What I Got or whatever. I actually don't know the name of that song because I don't love Sublime that much. But that song and that game are very, you know, if I hear it, I, I think back to my loving times with Dave Mirror BMX one, uh, the first one. That mean, that was a weird time for those. Uh, the Tony Hawk games and the Dave Mirror games. It was X, a lot X of games. Yeah. A lot of them just fun little, and they were all super arcadey. Like you could always do things that were not possible. And it was fun in a weird way, which, you know, it is what it is. Um <clears throat> I said, I'm going to try and throw two more in. Uh, you want to pull one from Twitter and one, one more from Discord? Sure. Our good buddy Exploding Pat, uh, Platypus said, Dreams came true, but then they turned sour. Talking about PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. He uh, he then goes in to say he is a fan of it, but Sony turned their backs uh, on the fans by denying us the, the DLC and pretending like the game never happened, which now just is so a, good cor- a good reverse correlation of people having good <clears throat> memories, but then... Good memories that they wanted to see live out to other memories that never got there. Yeah, and the weird thing about that game is that part of it was like the, the development studio that made it got uh, canned. They, they didn't end up staying around. So then Sony Santa Monica ended up taking over development on it. Uh, and we did end up getting some DLC. We got Cat uh, from uh, Gravity Rush added into it. We got... Um, <clears throat> his name is eluding me right now. Emmett? Yeah, Emmett from uh, the uh, Starhawk game. And then Starhawk, it was a it was a late gen PS3 exclusive. Uh, it was a pseudo sequel to Warhawk. Star Fox? <clears throat> no. Anyway, um, that we got the, that was the first set, and I think the second set of DLC was Isaac from Dead Space and Zeus from God of War Three. <clears throat> 
So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a mixture. They tried giving the game a little bit to at least show that they supported it for a bit. But it is one of those things where uh, I think so many people have wanted to see them return to the idea because it was fun. It wasn't without its flaws, but I had a great time platinuming it. And I think that a lot of the things that people thought could have been better are pretty easy to shore up. And there's such a host of new great characters from this generation that you could really make a fantastic sequel to that or just bringing back the idea. Um, And there's actually a a rumor right now, which I don't believe, uh, that at the Game Awards there will be a PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2 reveal. Uh, with oh, like an yeah. April, with like an April release date for next year, April first. I will say this: if Sony's idea started to become the idea of releasing that style of game at the end of every generation as a way to kind of like recap PlayStation history as well as the characters that made it big throughout that generation, I would not necessarily. If they were clear that that was their idea moving forward, that it would be one of their games to close out every generation, I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I know that there are people that would want them more often, so. You, you get into that weird situation where I think definitely with uh, Smash Ultimate coming out, so many people like the idea of a game coming early in the generation and then it's constantly getting new characters added to it. But that has got to be a balancing nightmare, and I don't know that I don't know how well Smash Ultimate's handling it. I know that the launch game was balanced. I don't know how well the DLC characters have been balanced. So it still seems to be pretty popular on places like Twitter and Reddit. So mm-hmm. normally you'd see outrage pretty quickly from games like that. Like I see outrage a lot from Modern Warfare. And sure, I'm, I'm not even in those communities. You know, let's see. I'm going to do one more from over on Discord, and I think I'm going to give it to our boy, Mr. Josh uh, Bobo May. He says, it's hard to pinpoint a favorite uh, moment with PlayStation. There have been lots of defining moments, and some of them are two specific games. I remember when Liam got an issue of GamePro magazine, which featured Final Fantasy VII, and we would spend countless hours looking through the magazine just to gawk at the character models. We had no idea who was who, but we decided who our favorite characters were just by looking at their artwork. Fast forward and I remember playing Final Fantasy VII and got to the end boss and I knew I was heavily underleveled. We were talking like level 50 and I I knew I didn't have a chance but I wanted to hear One Winged Angel. It was a long fight but when I beat it, I actually jumped out of my seat in excitement. One Winged Angel, like we talked about on here, it's just such a... There's something about that song. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it... it, Even for the... And I don't mean this against Final Fantasy VII. Even though I think it's a game that is overrated, not bad, overrated... Uh, to an extent, I think it's I think it's looked at a little too much with the rose tinted glasses, as I mentioned on last episode or the one before it. There are things about that game that are clearly iconic, and One Winged Angel is one of those things where if you've played the game, it resonates with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, uh, he says to finish it off. Another defining moment was when I played the Metal Gear Solid demo. I had never played a game like that before, but it was love at first sight. I don't even want. I don't even know how many times I played the demo before I got the game. I believe for Christmas, it almost felt weird to go past the point of the demo, but that led to a lifetime of love for Kojima. Uh, did you play that demo, or did, were you? Because you were way later. You didn't play Metal Gear Solid One until Twin Snakes, is what you said, right? Yeah. <clears throat> the demo. I can't remember what else was on that demo disc. And, and I remember because we had it too. It was the best demo on there by far because I did the same thing. You just play it and play it and play it. And I didn't play the game um, until about four years later. PS2 was already out by the time that I ended up playing that game. Um, and it was like fully. And I had the same thing come over me of you You played this. It, it, I had the similar situation with Skate on PlayStation 3. Uh, I, played, I played the demo for Skate a lot. Because it was just 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, and I actually played it on 360 
because that's what I had at the time. And then I got a PS3 and was able to get it. So I played that demo, the little 30 minute section of the one area that was still pretty big. And it felt, I remember the first time that I was playing the game and I got to where I could leave that point. It's like, how much bigger is the city? And God, it was massive. Yeah. Uh, so good times. Uh, time back into that little final fantasy under leveled thing though. This is obviously not as well remembered of a final fantasy game, uh, but bringing back to my, to my buddy Mario at work, uh, final fantasy 15 was one of his first JRPGs. So when he was going through and playing it, he was just flying through the game. And then he got to the last fight with Arden and he was severely under leveled. So he actually didn't even get to the last fight. He got to the last area where you're walking up to it, which I don't think he even got to, no. uh, but he was going through that. And because of the situation, in the story, suddenly all the stuff just started killing him in like one hit. So he had to restart the entire game because he didn't know what to do to keep leveling and he didn't understand that he could just go back and play more. It is a weird section of the game though, so I don't blame him for being confused. So he went back and restarted the whole game and just played the game more slowly and he played that out. game more than an average Final Fantasy man did. He has played Final Fantasy 15 three times through, I'm pretty sure. Ugh. So it's uh, it's and he's talked about going back to it. He loves the game, but you got to think just like a lot of people love Final Fantasy VII for being their first Final Fantasy game, despite what I see as the clear flaws in that game here and there, despite being a cool game in a lot of ways, I think Seven at its launch is better than Fifteen at its launch. Yeah, uh, by for sure. But I understand the idea of a reason a lot of people are so protective of Final Fantasy VII and don't really share those negative thoughts is because it was their first JRPG. And when you have somebody like Mario who's coming into this way later, 15 being your first JRPG and introducing you into those ideas, I understand how you would have a love for it because you wouldn't be as clearly able to see its flaws in comparison to the rest of the series. Yeah. So I get it, uh, but that's an interesting one. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and head over into the news. Thank you to everyone. I actually had a blast reading a lot of these. Uh, it just brung back a ton of memories of my own life. Uh, as soon as Blake posted the uh, Off-Road Fury thing, it kind of made me... I still have ATV, ATV Off-Road Fury 2. I don't know that it works, <laughs> but I still have the disc sitting in a box because I don't have the case. haven't had the case in... God, 15 years. Uh, but I have that little bit of a want to go back and play it and see how badly it plays now because I know it's going to be rough. bad. Um, it also made me uh, take to the, to the idea, because Blake mentioned it, that uh, there is a new ATV versus, off or, or, or ATV versus MX or whatever. I wouldn't mind playing a new one. I just don't know that I'd want to pay $60 for it. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. If I can get it cheap enough, I would go back into that. It'd be very fun. All right, let me pull over into the news and we can get this thing going. First thing on the list, Blizzard recently mentioned in an article that they are experimenting with some really interesting approaches to player versus player combat in the game of Diablo 4. But uh, the thing about this, I, I love it. PvP has been long talked about and experimented with throughout the entire series to the point where Diablo 3 actually had uh, PvP setups that you could play uh, at BlizzCon 2010 and 11, I want to say, uh, just for the final game of 3 to not launch with it and instead come at the end of 2012 in a really shallow and hollow version of it that most people probably don't even know is in the game. It's called the brawling section or whatever. I don't know. It's uh, There's no matchmaking. It's all... It's weird. It's not really trying to do anything other than say, we said it was going to be in the game. We at least put it in the game. But I like the idea of to an extent, of how do you look at Diablo and find a way to make it more than just the playing through the game over and over again? This is one way to do it. I'm unsure of how Diablo's mechanics would really work and how well they'd be able to build a fun and, uh, I'll say fun, 
Something you'd want to come back to over and over again throughout the life of the game, uh, considering how long a legs the Diablo games have. Um, Saul, you never played RuneScape. But I know that a lot of MMOs, because you've played MMOs at least, a lot of MMOs, including things like Silk Road, in, in my experience, and then Final Fantasy uh, Eleven Online and Guild Wars, a lot of them have had dual things set up into the games where you're looking and saying, okay, you can come up to somebody and either in a given area or if you're wearing a given item, you can activate a duel and just fight somebody. You ever play? You ever done any of those in, a, in an MMO? No, or you can't, not you can't do that in Final Fantasy XIV. Okay, I couldn't remember. I don't think you could in eleven, but I knew you could in Silk Road. What it was was a dueling scarf. You'd put the scarf on, and then if anybody else had a scarf on, you could go up to them and it's click cool. duel. It's cool, but also I don't like that's something that could work in Diablo. See, I don't know, and it depends on how the they game choose would be to do online. It. Well, uh, Diablo Four has already been confirmed that it will be online required. Well, I mean, Diablo 3 is online required, technically, but I'm saying, like, it's going to have to... You can play Diablo 3 without being connected. Are you sure? Absolutely. You sure? I really think you can't make it past the main screen. Otherwise, why would... Now, at launch, maybe you couldn't when the... But I know for a fact that once Reaper of Souls came out. uh, Because otherwise, why would you put it on Switch? You can't have... It's not easy to have a constant online connection on Switch. It's a lot easier. On Maybe the so, but but I'm I, I, yeah, I'm telling you, I mean, you can the, play the game without. I mean, the reference that they're in MMO style, where there are people running around you. Well, because see, if that's the case, that wouldn't do nothing. The reason I brought up RuneScape is if they do it in a way where they have a section, kind of like um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a way, almost like in a game like uh, Dragon Ball Fighters or Dragon Ball. Yeah, Dragon Ball Fighters is a good one where you run around. Uh, in an open area that you can just run around in. I think Xenoverse was a lot like this, yeah. where you could see other world. characters, a hub world. So if they can come up with something in RuneScape, the way they set it up is that you'd go to a specific spot, which RuneScape's already an MMO, right? But at least in terms of a situation, when you go into RuneScape, you can only duel in what's actually called the al uh, uh dueling arena. Yeah, so but- when you go there, you can duel and you have to go into an arena. So if they set up a situation where you go into an area that you load and then that's how it's handled... I think it's possible. It's definitely a weird step for the series. It is. I but I don't think I really it's a bad want. step. I, I, I think it's cool, and I'd be willing to try it. I just have a hard time understanding how they'd be able to do it in a way that would make me want to keep doing it. Once, once you bring stuff like that into uh, a game like Diablo, you have to worry about balancing for PvP and PvE, and that's not something mm-hmm. that I trust that the developers will be able to do consistently i think this comes because of overwatch there's this idea that every game needs to have a competitive part because it's, overwatch found it's, it's I mean, completely different though oh, it's it online is. only multiplayer specific arena shooter this absolutely is a, it is a, a co-op like what i can't think what they're called now um looter i mean i, I just call them dungeon crawlers shooter. yeah but, dungeon crawler. uh, but the thing I, about this is you think about do you remember the time in the ps3 xbox 360 era where every game had to have online whether it made sense for it or not do you remember Dead Space 2 having an online mode when it was a horror game? It's a survival no. horror game. Had it, yeah. I so think my that point is, is that make... people will look at things that are obviously successes and then think, how can we put that into something else? So EA made a Battlefield game with great multiplayer. Everybody loved it. And they said, hey, what if we put battle? What if we put multiplayer in Dead Space 2? I think that co-op is something that would be cool for just about any game as an addition, but I don't think it should ever be required. I don't think it should ever be needed. It should just be something that's there. If you want to play with friends. Yeah. I think but a lot of co- games but have competitive done that, but... or, or PVP is no, it's not something I agree with. Yeah. I don't know where I stand on it, but I'm at least willing to try it. I think they've been trying to do it since Diablo two. And they've never done it technically in any real capacity. I mean, even in Diablo three, like I said, I, I would not be surprised to learn that people who have platinum the game didn't even know it was there. Is it in Diablo immortal? 
Did I mean, that I, game come I, out? Everybody has phones, apparently. <laughs> All right, next thing up on the list, if Kingdom Hearts 3 left you wanting a little bit, then you might finally be where you want to be. As we have a new trailer and release date for the game, uh, the game's Remind DLC. Uh, and the way they're framing the remind is the other side of the story that took place during the climax of the game. So I find that an interesting idea set up. The trailer shows a ton of new content, like the ability to traverse Scala at Kalem uh, separately from the final boss fight and actually use it as a world, which is great because in the first game, it is used just as a boss arena, uh, really. Uh, there's new post-game story content, of course, that looks to touch on a lot of what the original endings mysteries were. So we're going to see things about Yozora, if you remember that. Uh, the trailer actually gave me chills at one part in particular because it's like, what are they choosing to do here? Uh, did you watch the trailer yet, Saul? Mm-hmm. At the end, when you see Sora and Yozora walking towards each other and repeating the Kingdom Hearts 1 refrain. One, yeah. That was pretty boy. cool. Boy. I don't know what they're going to do. I actually have a theory, but... I have a theory, too. And I'm really, I, I didn't get to watch it whenever it first hit much. I saw little things of it, like, you know, the bringing back uh, Final Fantasy characters. So we will have Leon, uh, we'll have uh, Yuffie, and we'll have Aerith. The Twilight Town gang. Uh, so anyway. Oh, no, not Twilight Town. Um, Hollow Bastion. Hollow Bastion, but yeah. I don't know why I confuse those two cities so much. I don't know. You do it every time we go to talk about the time. game. Every time. Uh, but anyway, so those are, of course, in the game that looks like there's going to be the ability to play as other characters than just Sora and Riku and that's uh, we did. Anyway, uh, so you're going to be able to play as Kyrie. it looks like, as the trailer shows, uh, and potentially as other people. Hard to say. Well, it looks like part. organizational characters, too. But it looks cool. like in the trailer that you can play as right. Roxas and John and, uh, and Axel. It's hard to say, or Lee, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. But... I thought that was interesting. Uh, now, here's the more interesting part. The trailer was made private shortly after for some reason. I don't really understand. But it appears that the DLC will launch roughly a month earlier on PS4 on January 23rd, with the Xbox One release being February 25th. And it is available for pre-order from both digital storefronts. I'm not surprised. I think that this does one thing in particular. The fact that Square would be willing to do this shows... We, we, we know Square has been a weird uh, publisher this generation. Uh, they took and made uh, a game Top that sold... 15. Well, <laughs> they took a game, uh, Tomb Raider, uh, the, the Rise of the Tomb Raider and all that stuff. They made Rise of the Tomb Raider an exclusive after both Tomb Raider games, the Tomb Raider reboot games, sold much better on the PlayStation consoles uh, and made them console exclusive for our, uh, yearly uh, for a year, so essentially a year exclusivity window on console um, for Xbox. Weird move. They got a lot of flack for it. Now we're seeing what I was going to say. There's a part of me that makes me feel like this kind of shows that I was correct and that Kingdom Hearts three probably sold very poorly uh, on, uh, or I'm not going to say very poorly, but sold very inconsistently in terms of, or very differently than it did on PlayStation four. Well, that's their fault. Um, and of course that this, and they're remedying it, which is the more weird thing. All the Kingdom Hearts games come into Xbox two years um, later, a year and a half. Later. Yeah. But it's still a weird thing that we're seeing this. I don't know if this shows that either Sony just wanted to pay for this or if Sony paid for it and Square saw it as, well, we're not really losing out on anything because there wasn't that many people anyway. We're going to make extra money and the majority of the player base exists on PlayStation 4 anyway. I don't know. Uh, and this doesn't necessarily prove either way. But what, what, if like you, What's the purpose of a one-month de delay? Like, I, I, I thought the same. And don't get me wrong. I don't, DLC, I don't care. What is that? It benefits me, but... Technically, so it doesn't mean I'm, I'm just. It doesn't it. really. It doesn't benefit you though. It doesn't benefit anybody. Well, I mean, it benefits me from if I had an Xbox. If I was trying to play on Xbox over PlayStation Four, I technically have a benefit on PS4. But, are you but I felt the same way about this back in the, and I still feel about this on on the Call of Duty side of things. Of uh, 
of these kind of games. Like back whenever during the 360 generation, I used to think it was so weird they would give Xbox the DLC a month early on the map packs and stuff for Call of Duty. Did that happen back then? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was a, one of the big things working at GameStop is that. I don't remember any of Always, that. And, and, and then at the beginning of the generation when PlayStation started winning, it flipped over to them. You know, it was that situation. So um, it's one of those weird things that publishers do that's... Uh, but DLC is such a weird thing. Like full-on story DLC being yes. delayed. Not weapon I mean, packs, map packs, something like that. But it's- map packs, if we're being honest, on a game like Call of Duty, which most people play the story, but the the legs of the game comes in the multiplayer, it seems just as weird to do the, to do that to me as a story DLC. They're both weird, and I think that they're odd business practices. I understand it. I, I, I get what they're doing. They just seem so weird. And also... The more reason that this seems weird on the Xbox One side is why are you bringing all of the Kingdom Hearts games to the Xbox and then also doing this? It's like one move is saying like, hey, we understand that we need to be that we need to bring this franchise more to the Xbox so people can really fully expand it. And the reason it didn't sell well enough, if it didn't, is probably because we had this situation going. Which again was probably a contractual agreement with Sony, and I understand that. Uh, but then you, you, so you have this move, and it's like trying to rectify this while also actively doing something that only serves to be like, still, again, if you're on Xbox, Kingdom Hearts is not te- is not the place to play it if you want to get everything day and day and early and understand it. It's just like those two things are hard to bring together. It's like they seem like two, like you know, two sides of. Like, so, so late in the generation, that's not convincing anybody anything. That's what I'm saying. It's weird. Yeah. But it only seems like it has to be something that where Sony was like, hey, we'll pay you a little bit of extra money if you... And that's probably what it was. I, I do think, though, this is going to lead us into the main topic, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. Yeah, sure. All right, next thing up, Metacritic recently came under some criticism for the decision to remove what they considered to be suspicious reviews of Death Stranding to counteract the recent trend of review bombing content that you disagree with. The removal happened specifically on the user rating side, so not the actual, uh, um, how am I forgetting the words? Critic rating. Critic rating, thank you. Uh, But they opted to leave the content of the suspicious reviews up and available to read, but remove the rating and score so that a potentially malicious review does not affect the overall user score of the game. Movies and even other games such as Astral Chain have fallen victim to this same mentality, with Metacritic acting similarly in response to uh, Astral Chain review bobbing that came over the fact that the game was a Nintendo exclusive. Um, I don't understand why they don't fix their user service. Well, this this the thing that's coming up right now is that it's it seems to be that most people don't really mind as much as they're asking like if you're if you are removing suspicious reviews on the negative side that are just people going there who hate it. You should remove the reviews on and the positive them. side. Why are you, yeah, are you doing the same with the positive side? Are they looking at the people who gave it a 10 and just said, amazing? But it's hard because like it's easy to see something where someone says 0 out of 10 trash and go, that's very likely someone trying to troll a game yeah. that they disagree with. It's harder well, to look at somebody who, who maybe did genuinely go to Metacritic and say, I really love this game, but I'm not one of the type of reviews because I'm, I'm gonna. So all I'm gonna do is, hey, my user score is I loved it, ten out of ten. Amazing is the only word I need to put up. But well, they, it does bring up a similar question of if you're gonna do it to one side, it's hard not to look in the other side. There might be people who are making multiple accounts to essentially not review bomb, but review lift a, a game that they otherwise think is gonna have issues. But why are they doing that? In regards to review bombing. So I'm thinking if they start policing bombing, then you're not going to have those fake positive reviews. I think that they should just make it so that all their users, if they, to write a review, they have to have two factor authentication 
uh, available with an email address and work, phone man. number required to write a review. That way you don't get these people in here going in here with these fake emails. I think information, that, and, that, and that's the thing that happens on a lot of websites, is a feeling of, and don't get me wrong, all these websites exist solely on your information. That's already what's going yeah. on. But it's a weird requirement. Like if I'm pretty sure people would probably take more of a pause if you could not use Facebook unless you had a phone number attached to it. And you totally can. Actually, now Facebook, because of their privacy situation, used to be able to add your phone number, but you didn't have to. Now I don't even think you can. Uh, I don't think you can search people's name. You can't search for Facebook under a phone number like you used to be able to. Mm. Uh, so it's one of those weird things. Um, but I, I think that that's a good idea. I actually do kind of agree with the idea. But at least a two-factor two-factor identification, whatever that is. Because if, it, if nothing else... Even for the people that are going to find a way around it, it just makes it a, more of a hurdle for them. So it may desensitize them from wasting yeah. their time doing it. It's a big waste of time anyways. And you people have no life if you do that. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it still brings up a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, I, I guess to me, it's one of those things of, I would be worried that the, the, the question here is about uh, filtering content. And essentially, if you want to call it, I don't want to say it's censoring because technically it's not. It's not censoring. But they are leaving the content, but they're filtering the, its ability to show up under the user review. So I think they're handling this in a good way in the sense of they're choosing to keep the content up so that if you wanted to read it and you did not think that it was a troll thing, then at least you can understand and read someone's opinion. But in case it was a troll, it's not negatively affecting if it doesn't look like it was a real-written review. And the thing is, I think that... The reason that they, they look at it is it's very easy to see a 0 out of 10 and think, no, this is clearly... A troll, yeah. you know, and I think it's it's easy to look at that in a lot of ways. Like it's very rare that I think a game genuinely deserves something like a two or a one or or zero. Uh, and the other thing about that that a lot of people don't think about is technically Metacritic is an eleven point system. People think it's a ten point because it's one zero. through ten. But if you have a zero, the problem with a zero is is that a zero out of ten actually more negatively affects its, a score than a ten out of ten does. So even if you had the same amount of people giving it zero out of tens as you did uh, for for just for the fact of trying to make the game sink, as you had people counteracting it with ten out of tens to try and make the game float, the zero out of tens are going to actually have more of an effect on the user score. Yeah. Due to the way that the scaling system has to work. And I think it's a move in the right direction of what they're doing. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to see. It's one of those things of where this is. I, I don't know to what extent this is. Like, if if you really took the entire gaming uh, population and really looked at the amount of people that's doing this, I'm sure it's probably less than a percentage. But you see it, and it has an effect. And it's like, why? You know, I, I get that maybe you don't like Death Stranding, or maybe you wish the Astral Chain would have been a PS4 game. These just seem like such weird and trivial things to go and spend that much effort review bombing. Um, and I'm wondering if we're going to see this happen with Pokemon. And actually, I didn't see as much review bombing for Pokemon as I thought I would because of I the don't try to pay stuff around it. Stuff. I, I don't, but I end up seeing it. So I just kind of click on it. I don't actively seek it out, but regardless. Next thing up on news, though, the PS4 Pro came out as a stopgap of sorts between our current generation and the upcoming one. You could say it was due to slightly underwhelming specs at the start of the generation. Uh, due to the need to be a bit more risk-averse with the climate of gaming at the time and rapid advancement of technology. It's kind of hard to hit. Uh, but it appears that Sony does not necessarily intend for the mid-gen refresh to be a one-time idea. A recent interview with Vice President of Hardware Manufacturing at Sony saw him discussing the development of next-gen hardware. In this, he discussed the ability to keep up with technology, saying, quote, 
We cannot fully catch up with the rapid development of technology, but we should be able to change the hardware itself and try to incorporate advancements in technology. That was the thinking behind it, and the test case of this thinking was the PS4 Pro, end quote. So I think that this does, you know, people have been saying a lot, like, do you think there'll be a PS5 Pro? And my answer is I, I genuinely didn't know up until this. But there, the, there will be. The other side have you seen, and I know that we've had a couple of people ask us, is will there be a PS5 Pro on day one? And the answer is unequivocally no. No, the, if, 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 it's if, a very bad marketing move. It just it it makes more sense to do this later in the generation when you have a, a group of people who would have bought the first who are okay with spending another four hundred, five hundred, whatever dollars to get another kick because they it's 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 the same group of people who if you didn't give them some on the console side they would do it on PC if they it, but there's some people that don't trust themselves enough with PC but still want a jump in quality every three years that they're willing to shell the money out for. You're just making it easier on them. You know? Yeah. And if people keep wanting six year, seven year generations, then yeah, you're going to get a pro somewhere in the middle. It's, it's unequivocally like confirmed. The interview was recent, uh, was interesting. He actually said that the idea behind the PS4 when they were talking was to have a, was to have it last for seven to 10 years, not necessarily as a full generation, it'll but work that in a, way in a, in the technology is relevant for seven to 10 years. And clearly by the time that they got, you know, they got even three years out from the PlayStation 4's launch. They could see that that was just not going to work. Yeah. So they yeah. said that, you know, they, and even said that with the PS5, with what they're planning on their technology to be from everything that they can see and having a better, having looking at more of how technology is advancing, they're expecting a six to seven year relevancy of their technology, I still but still, still needing a mid gen refresh. That's still not going to happen. We'll see. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. It's, I, say, it's the further, the, 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 the more we go out into the the universe year by year by year, the more and more technology is going to get more advanced in a quicker time frame. So this that them saying it, them repeating exactly what they said last generation is just going to the the proof is in the pudding. If they if they were proved wrong last generation, it's going to be proved wrong this gen. Well, I think that they're expecting a little bit closer to what will, will be true. I, I don't know how anybody looks to PS4 and thought seven to ten years of relevancy for the technology. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's technically not going to be true. You we can still, still don't know enough to say that about this one, though. Yeah, and, and we, of course, don't. This is just his word. But yeah. one thing that I do think actually bears some resemblance to this is the phone market and how it is stagnated a lot in the last uh, two, two years. Uh, and I mean that in the sense of phones have reached a point where they've stopped being... When's the last time that a phone released and it was genuinely ridiculously quicker than the other? It's but Not it's, quicker. Again, we're at the point where speed is no longer, and that's uh, speed and power are no longer at the forefront of the, of no. the cell phone competition. I, that's game. what I was going to say. It's not It quicker, comes but down to different. camera, face unlock, fingerprint unlock. Is it in the screen? Is it a sensor? Is it. And I've said it for years now. We're going to hit a ceiling where, yeah. where all we're going to be able to, like 1080p 60 or 4K 30, true 4K 30, is going to be the ceiling we're going to hit. And. Uh, I think 4K60 is a, is a reasonable uh, now, ceiling, right? Maybe so, but who has a 60 frame, 60 hertz TV? All TVs are 60 hertz. No, are they really? Yes. All oh, you tell that to my my well, Vizio. Hold on, what I should say is all TVs as a baseline are 60 hertz, but 120 hertz screens is what most people want to go with. It just nobody the, wants the that. Thing, if, you, if you think the PS5 is going to be 4K 120, hold on. So do you think normal TVs are 30? That, that's a 60 hertz screen. 60 hertz is the baseline I don't, TV. Moment. I don't use. I don't. Pay That's attention. why 60 frames per second is a, is a wanted thing because all TVs bare minimum 60 frames can hit 60 TV frames per second. Not a wanted thing though. Nobody wants film or TV to be in 60 frames. I don't mean film or TV, but those are also different things that are trying to mimic life. There's not. They're not input. See, I, I use monitors. I don't use. 
I've had the same TV in my living room for the past. Yeah, same, eight same years. basic thing. Every every computer monitor monitor is at its base at least 60, yeah. 60 hertz. I know that's the that's same. That's the for same that. with TV. So yeah, okay. So one hundred twenty. Well, technically, hertz the only thing that slightly changes it's like fifty nine hertz in Britain because of the way their uh, electricity weird. moves through stuff. But no, there's but like, still there's like rarely any media that is actually outputted at that for TVs and movies. No, and TVs and movies are mainly looking at that uh, for for gaming, though there was a point in time where you saw things like uh, the the, um, true, the, uh, the 40, uh, 48 frames per second that, of uh, the Hobbit movies. Yeah, no, that that was that that wasn't that though. It's the true true smooth or whatever it's called where well, it allows that one's frame interpolation. So for people that don't know that that's when the TV actually inserts fake frames to give yeah. you a, a, an idea of it being it caught it doubles a frame and then slightly moves it to make it give a feel. And that's you get the soap opera effect, yeah, and that's actually a thing. When you buy a 120 hertz but TV, right? Baby like, boomers love a, that function. That's dude. a 120 hertz TV, and um, so was my PlayStation, uh, but my my Sony TV. No, sorry, the one that's in the bedroom now. Yeah, both say, of those were 120 TV. hertz panels natively. Yes, but. And this one is advertised as 120 hertz and everything. What a lot of TV manufacturers will do, will do a 60 hertz panel and then actually use frame interpolation to give it 120 hertz. And they'll say it's a 120 hertz TV, but it's only achieving 120 hertz through some kind of a manipulation. Yeah. Uh, and it's the, the PlayStation the one. Checkerboarding. See, the PlayStation one, I think it was called like, it wasn't smooth motion, but it's called like something. 240 something, which is supposed to try and make you think it's 240 hertz. No, it's And how not. much was your LG? $3,000? No, two thousand fourteen hundred, fourteen hundred, thirteen hundred, thirteen hundred. Yeah, thirteen hundred dollars. Steep sale. Yeah, yeah, steep sale. That's that's one of those things that it was like four hundred dollars off. About it. Well, one twenty is something that we won't <coughs> that yeah. we won't hit because I'm pretty sure my Vizio, my that Vizio was old too. That Vizio mm-hmm. was not sixty. I don't think. Yeah, you on computer monitors to bring back your point, you'll see more interesting ones like a one forty four hertz. Yeah, uh, and a two forty hertz. That's, you can get a two forty hertz monitor, and that comes down to not. They, it's not that you want to see content at 240 frames per second. That's not the end game. It's that if your content can hit 240 frames per second and you have the refresh rate to hit it, you have more fine control. Yeah. The the difference is not that smooth. It's not that noticeable over a 120 hertz, whereas a 60 to 120 is very noticeable. Um, so if you're playing a game at 60 and then go to 120, you do notice it. Just like if you play a game at 30 and go to 60, you notice it. Yeah. Um, where anything past 144, depending on what you're doing, is getting kind of crazy. Yes, it's almost it's diminishing returns, and That's, that was the point of going into the pro, uh, or the idea of the PS5, or the ceiling rather that what you're talking about is eventually this the rate of technology for what a console can use may slow down because of diminishing returns, just like phones are doing well, right now. It's the same. To where the, the the fight stops being about power and more just about what other weird features can we put in now that phones are a little less obsessed with power because they're not really making that many strides in processors right now. And if they do, batteries can't keep up with it. So you're kind of at a, an odds. Instead, they're going, but we're going to put, like the Google Pixel has got uh, radar. Yeah. We're going to put radar well, we, in the screen. Yeah, we've you said know? a lot of this before, too. Well, you're yeah. going to hit the ceiling, so they're going to start focusing on game engines and stuff like that. And right. sound. Yeah, just what you can do. So, yeah. yeah. And we're already seeing some of that with Sony talking about using ray tracing for more than just visuals. Now it's like, well, what can we use some of this technology with to just do something different with it? Yeah. So, either way, I think it's an interesting thing, and I do hope we end up seeing a PS5 Pro. I don't have a problem with that. I actually think it's a great idea. I just don't know why anybody would want that to be day one because you'd be paying a lot of money and it would just be bad marketing. So, uh, but I know there are people out there that exist. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I, I don't know why a company would do it. I don't think enough people are in the same wavelength as you. Uh, next thing up though, Outlast developers, Red Barrels had teased a, a new game not long ago and it looks like now they've announced it as the Outlast 
Trials, a new project set during the Cold War that allows players to face the horrors of the games by themselves or with others. This is not meant to be an Outlast 3, but rather a side experience. Despite the art used for it, uh, the marketing hinting that it may be VR compatible or even exclusively VR, the studio made it clear that the experience is not VR in any way, shape, or form. If you look at the thing, it's people wearing night vision goggles, which I, I know comes back into the idea of Outlast using night vision, but it just clearly or looks like someone using, yeah, but it clearly looks like someone using a headset. So, of course, making it, I, I, as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, VR Outlast, finally. And then they immediately went in the comments and said, not VR at all. That's stupid. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it was, I think it's a, the fact that nobody in their marketing section was able to clearly go, maybe this isn't a good idea. You're going to make people think this is VR. Eh, who knows? And you have that on both things. For the people that wanted it to be VR and are going to be upset now that it's not, and the people that didn't want it VR who may not buy it because they think it's VR, you don't want to market that way. Next up, Dreams, the long-awaited and finally partially released title from developer Media Molecule, has ended its early access period as of December 7th. The game is still playable, but no longer can be purchased as an early access title in preparation of its full release, which we still currently do not have a release date on, but very likely to be soon, considering that they chose to do this. Players who bought the early access version will be upgraded to the full version upon release at no extra cost, as they mentioned up front. So they were able to buy it for 30 and we'll get a $60 game. Great. Uh, alongside this announcement came the reveal of the Impy Awards, the studio, uh, the studio's awards show featuring categories for creator of the year, dream of the year, best visuals, best narrative, some other fun ones that are like uh, wish I would have thought of that and uh, best streamer and best community member and stuff like that, uh, which is a great idea. I actually really love to see this. Uh, and they're going to be giving this out to community members uh, on a stream that takes place on January 26th live on Twitch. The winners will be voted on by a panel of Media Molecule developers as well as special guest judges, though a few of the categories, uh, like the Wish I Would Have Thought About That and different things like that, uh, are open to the community to vote on. So That's cool. Yeah, I think that's a really good use of, uh, of that platform. That's more or less what they're doing. Next up, Square Enix launched a website for Nier's 10th anniversary at the as the first game in the series launched back in April of 2010. So we're roughly within a six-month period of, uh, of the 10 years coming. This could be leading to an announcement of another sequel or potentially a remake or remaster of the first game after Automata found such great success. Currently, the site has very little, which only further to me pushes the likelihood of its presence being tied to a later announcement, potentially even at Game Awards. Though I don't know. Uh, regarding the franchise, because if you were going to announce a game to celebrate the 10 years, wouldn't you want to do it four or five months before the 10 year would hit? Wouldn't that be the idea? Maybe it's just find it weird that we create a website for this anyways. Well, that's the thing is, is why, that, like why the remake and remaster thing comes into play. Exactly. You get but to that thing of, if it was a, if it was a 10 year anniversary website that was dedicated to nothing, but like, Hey, these are, uh, we're doing videos that talk about the, how the game was made and both of the games and interviews with the Yoko Taro and exclusive 10 year anniversary merch. And that would make sense, but none of that's there. Now yeah. they do have, when you click into it, you can click through to links to, existing already available near gear that's on square enix's story store but that's it this is going to be one of those things that's like if it's not going to be a remaster remake people would be disappointed just for the sole purpose of the website i think a new game celebrating the 10 years would still be fine uh back when kingdom hearts was hitting its uh 10 year anniversary a new near game yeah I yeah. mean, yeah, but I doubt that's what this is. This is. I highly doubt that that's what this is. Uh, whenever they did the 10th anniversary of Kingdom Hearts, a lot of people... Ex uh, actually, it kind of did happen. Uh, Dream Drop Distance was like a celebration of the 10th anniversary. So it was like a new game. Also came with a 10th... It was weird, but... You yeah. Know. <clears throat> I don't think that there's a lot of like... 
I think that they, they need to remaster the first game first or remake it before a sequel or a third game comes. I think it's just the fear that since for some reason it didn't find an audience to begin with, even though you think you have an audience built in now because of Automata selling more than 4 million, that you still risk making a game that maybe it wasn't that the game didn't get discovered. Maybe it was just that it wasn't as good of a game to some people. Even if they just, even <clears throat> they just ups, like make it 60 frames. A remaster is a, is a safer bet. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah just, you, you'd almost immediately cover your cost. Yeah, make it 1080p, <clears throat> 60 frames, 40 bucks. Out the door, you're good. Couldn't be that much money to dedicate for all that. I mean, I'd pay if I paid forty. I would, I would hope it was a little bit more on the scale of like uh, bringing it up to. If you're going to remaster it anyway, might as well for people to have a pro to not have to get a muddy image. Might as well make it 4K if you can. Yeah, <clears throat> retexture it. It's not that much work. I mean, it is. I'm not trying to belittle that. It's just, it's not as much work as building a new game or fully remaking it. Yeah, that's um, what I meant whenever I said that too. <clears throat> I am sorry. I hope I'm not killing everybody's ears today as playstation continues to bolster its ps now lineup we see PUBG, so players are known battleground wolfenstein the old blood and formula one 2019 join the service this month god of war grand theft auto 5 uncharted 4 and infamous second son will be leaving the service as part of their rotating game lineup on january 2nd so play them while you still can if you use the service <clears throat> i think that's st- they're still doing a pretty good job but they've started really strong and now they're still adding good games, but it's like, ah, oh, okay, I see what you're doing there. But we'll see. Maybe the beginning of the year we'll have a. Uh, they took out all the good games stuff. or brought the poo poo games. No, but right now, like, you know, last month they added Persona 5. Uh, but I mean, so I, I, I get it. There's a lot of good games. Shadow of War, there's a newer game. So, I mean, it's, three it's years still old. an interesting idea. Three um, years old. <laughs> Shadow of War? Yeah, three, maybe two years old. Yeah, it's like a year and eight months, probably. Shadow of War? Yeah, I think Did it that came, come out in 2017? No, I don't think so. I think it was an 18 game. Oh, I feel like that game so much. Or late 2017, one of those two. Yeah, late 2017. Okay, yeah, I was like, well, that's <laughs> two years ago. It's late 2019. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> my essence of this year has been terrible. Uh, anyway, next up, Sony, Sony has continued its tradition in sending out holiday themes by starting with Europe and sending users a new holiday-based theme and even up to a 30% discount code, so anywhere from 10, 20, 30. Um, via email. It's currently unknown if this will go worldwide, but it is likely given that we got a similar treatment from the company last year um, for its little, uh, you, you remember the PlayStation and the, that S is a five, which everybody was correct on, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Next up, though, also continuing in the holiday spirit at Sony, Concrete Genie, Sony's smaller effort from developer Pixel Opus, has received an update adding in a free holiday brush pack to the game for you to create holiday-themed art within the title. I actually think that's a cute idea. Uh, And that reaches us to what will be our main and final topic. And we will go from there. It says, PlayStation announced a state of play for December 10th, just two days before the Game Awards. The announcement made sure to be clear that there would be no updates on their next generation console, but instead updates from PlayStation Worldwide Studios, which I think gives us a pretty high chance that we're going to be seeing Ghost of Tsushima. Um, After more than a year of silence, that makes sense. Um, But this is where we're going to get into it. There's been a lot of stuff that ended up happening this week shortly after this uh, announcement, which came pretty quickly. I think it was like a Thursday announcement. Mm -hmm. Um, And within the couple of days that's happened since that, you've gotten to the point where games that seem like they were prime for what that probably was have been leaked by various different ways. Uh, So the first one of that would be Resident Evil 3 Remake. Uh, got leaked by a PSN listing and then pulled down, but it showed the new art and redesigns for the characters very similar to what we saw with Resident Evil 2 Remake. Um, and that leaked on Tuesday. 
Yeah, and it was and it was pulled again. Uh, and the reason that a lot of people thought that, that was a state of play announcement after the state of play came and announced is that it was confirmed that Resident Evil Three would not be one of the Game Award games. Yeah. So it kind of leads to that point of like the bummer for this is that Sony are the ones who leaked this <laughs> on the PSN. So this actually would have been a really big steal for the for state of play. This actually would have been one of the first times that State of Play had a really big game that would have, I think, genuinely surprised people. And they ruined it. Yep. Now, the benefits they still have from this. Three of these. There's three of these that have happened. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the biggest one. No, I don't. Bedrock. I must be missing. I don't think that's that's as big of a It's a surprise, but because it's not tied into like a remake and something new, it's more of just like finally getting a the, feature. The fundamental service that is Xbox Live coming to PlayStation, though, that comes with Bedrock. I mean, I guess that's true. Uh, so, yeah, we can go ahead and get into that. Of course, uh, outside of the Resident Evil 3 leak, there was a new Minecraft SKU showing up in stores uh, that has a description on the back that shows... Uh, a, the, the plan apparently is for it to release on Tuesday, which is the day of the, the state of play. Also, the state of play is at 6 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah, I, I saw that. 8 a.m. our I, time. That's just terrible. That, that doesn't is, benefit any American. That is the weird... Well, I mean, it shouldn't only be beneficial to us. It's just such a weird time across the board. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like that. Oh, I know what happened. Jim Ryan, he's over there in Europe, and Europe's like, that's like midday for us. We'll be yeah. doing fine. <laughs> that doesn't... Like, I'm kidding. Not, I thought it was funny. You said at 6 a.m.? It's 8 a.m. our time, 6 a.m. Pacific. Yeah, that is. What is going on there? Like in the middle of a work day? Uh, it's, yeah, but. Or very beginning. E- yeah, even, even in Europe, it's, it would be while people were at work, which I mean, normally it's in America, it's while people are at work. Uh, but of course, we're not saying everything should be to us. It's just we are slightly spoiled to things normally working out for us in America. I don't know why. I don't know, man. Nintendo makes all the directs happen pretty much uh, perfectly timed. Every Nintendo Direct has been while we were at work, so I don't really know. Nintendo Directs are typically 5.30. The Pokemon one this year was at like that 10 might, o'clock. That might be one. Um, yeah, that's another, a weird one. The, the singular ones, like Pokemon and Smash are weird times. Those I don't care about. Okay, The main enough. ones are typically... I, think I don't watch every one of them. So I think I, they're typically like 4.30 at the earliest and then 5.30 at the latest I've seen. Maybe 6. But you got to think about that. Even if that's perfectly timed for us, that's poorly timed for about Pacific. The, I don't care about everybody, anybody else. <laughs> When it comes to that, I get to see what I want to see. Uh, but anyway, um, Minecraft Bedrock Edition is apparently, it's the Bedrock update that came out a while back. It's finally coming to PlayStation, and it will have uh, cross-play from everything we can see. There's a picture of the case, and there's clear instructions in the back that cross-play does require you to have a Microsoft account. So it looks like we'll be to the point where uh, we will finally have this edition, and that probably means that we're finally going to get uh, Minecraft Realms. Yep. Well, that, that Realms is, is, is included in Bedrock. Cool. So that does mean, you know, you, you did tell us not too long ago, if they brought back Realms, you'd be jumping back in. So there you go. I mean, I I have the game. I'm, uh, it's no, a don't. free update. So no, it's I, not. Yes, it is. It's not a free update. Yes, it is. Does it replace it in the store? Yes. It's just, the case doesn't even say Bedrock Edition. It just says Minecraft. All it is is an updated physical case is what this listing was. Somebody on Reddit said that, because they were asking you that it's a Switch subreddit. If, 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 if this is true, do, the people are speculating about full crossplay now. Because and why would only PlayStation people be forced to buy the game again just to be a play at crossplay? That doesn't make sense. It's not. It, everybody has had to buy it again. Is what, I, is what, is what that Reddit, is what that comment made me think. Because I don't think so, but if, if anybody has more information on that and wants to prove me wrong, go ahead. It would be the worst PR move that Minecraft could do. 
when they have done countless free updates. It would be like if suddenly crossplay came to No Man's Sky, but you had to rebuy No Man's Sky. The way that comment made it sound like was that if if crossplay happened, they would be able to play on their Switch, and then they would be able to play with their husband on the couch and play on the TV. You can already and, do that. No, you can't. They, I I am ninety nine percent sure you can. that you can already do that. And they were talking about I don't have to buy the game again in order to do that. Which to me sounds like it's a free update. It is a free update for that. So then, yeah, that comment just is completely wrong. I mean, it would it would. But you be, can't cross play with Switch and PS4. No, PS4 is the only That's one right. not in the mix. Literally, I just said you said Switch and phone. I thought my, my I bad. Said, if I just I misheard said you, Switch. I, and a, a PS4 on the TV. Okay, but no, yeah, the PS4 is the only one. That's what I was getting at. Why would PS4 be the only people that for crossplay would be forced to rebuy the game? Okay, well, then that just made it sound like... It would be terrible PR across the well, board. That, well, it would it be was, terrible PR for was, Sony. It would be Switch. terrible PR for... It's what they were talking about having to buy the game again. Yeah. So I figured that the way that comment made it sound like is that Bedrock Edition is a new version of the game you have to buy. No, I, I get what you mean, but it would just replace it. I mean, that would be what it is. This would be a, this would essentially be crossplay finally coming, but now they have a reason to re-release the physical casing for Minecraft yeah. on PS4 when so previously there was. I wonder, does this to. mean we'll get crossplay? I mean, yeah, it says cross on the back of the case. It says clearly. Have you not seen the picture? Uh, I did, but I don't, I don't remember seeing that at all. Yeah, it's, it's on the back uh, underneath the thing. You see all the stuff. You see Xbox Game Studios I, logo. I, you go through, you see the Xbox Live logo. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, and but it, the Xbox, I thought the Xbox stuff is just simply it saying you have to have Xbox Live to play it. Not that you have cross-play. No, it says, the, the line in regards says cross-play, uh, cross-platform play requires a Microsoft account. Okay, cool. And so, it says it's on the back of the PS4 copy. Good. So then finally, yes, Sony so, is being smart. Something I've been telling them to do for two years now. The more irony, uh, ironic part of this, the irony of it, is that the, that the person who was originally saying that they weren't going to do crossplay because they wanted to protect the kids is the same person who is now the person who would be technically making the decision to let this game come crossplay. Yep. Now, here's the thing. I'm not crapping on him for that. If anything, it shows that the man can grow and that regardless, even if he still feels the way he feels, he understands that enough of the group of fans want uh, enough of the group of PlayStation fans want this feature at least for a game like Minecraft. Do you think his opinions Clearly. grew into backwards compatibility? I don't know. I mean, because that's the, that's the other thing. He's in charge. Yeah, we're, we're hearing, talking about Jim Ryan, by the way. Yeah, people. Jim Ryan. We're we're hearing that my PlayStation Four is going to be backwards compatible with at least the PS Four, potentially all of the them. PS Five is going to be backwards compatible. With yeah, the PS5. sorry, uh, and 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 potentially all the other ones from different patents we've seen. Uh, maybe not three, but still at least PS One, PS Two from patents we've seen. Seems well, like you heard that's that that's the theory that Blue Point's working on. They're working on software to make the PS3 backwards compatible with the PS5. They're not working on a game. That's why everything, every time they put out a tweet like They put that, multiple games it's, teasing. It's real broad. So that people, people have actually, actually speculated they're working on software to make the PS, uh, the PS, the Zen architecture backwards compatible. I don't know. They had a recent quote over at Bluepoint that was talking about uh, that they're, right now their favorite achievement to date um, and the only the only thing they've touched twice was Shadow of the Colossus yeah uh, and that that's their that's their crowning achievement but that what they're working on right now uh, will will eclipse that by far yeah so it makes sense that it would be software to make everything in PS3 playable on PS5 and I don't know we'll see uh, that, that but also because Demon Souls stop touching my feet Demon you're the Souls. one doing it you're the, you're moving your foot touching mine Demon Souls my foot is still I don't see how like Saul's trying to play footsie with me, everybody. I'm is Demon Souls going to be, like, if that's what it is, it's either Demon Souls or Metal Gear Solid. I've played both of those games extensively. Why would it be Metal Gear Solid? And this is a genuine question. 
Why do you why do you think it would be Metal Gear Solid? That has been what everybody's been running with the past three years now, just about two years. Demon Souls has had way more legs from them, and it's true. But still and people, even even their most recent teas, none of their teases have said anything that would denote Metal Gear Solid. That, that's even more the reason it's Metal Gear Solid. But uh, <laughs> this sounds like your know P- what it is. It's this PT. sounds like your death stranding is PT. It's PT. <laughs> Blue Point is PT. Here we go. Here we go. The entire studio was formed and made all these games just so they could one day make PT. Yeah, Kojima had PT and his lead but from Konami planned. There's two the fan the two big fan things are Metal Gear Solid and De- uh, Demon Souls. Uh, well, the yeah. ones that actually have any kind of legs as well as reasons to potentially support them the the multi because there's even not thinking about them working on multiple titles. Of course, uh, is of course Legend of Dragoon and Dark in uh, Demon Souls. I want Legend of Dragoon because I just it would be cool. That coming in so close to an era of Final Fantasy VII. Well, it depends on when it's coming. Is it a PS5 game? Is it a PS4 game? That's that true. comes down to the question. Is Demon's Souls a PS4 game or a PS5 game? There's been a lot of articles going around that are saying, that are acting like Blue Point's next game is 100% for PS5, but the quotes that they're trying to use to act like when they keep saying uh, their next game on PS5 will be so much, and here's the quote, and the quote does not say anything about PlayStation 5. It just says, uh, one of them was like, uh, our engine is set up to work well on it and take advantage of any hardware. That does not specifically denote PS5. Yeah. I just think that a lot of people are grasping. Like there was a, an industry person who apparently said that Blue Point's next game is exclusive on PlayStation, and that was switched and changed over on headlines to exclusively for PlayStation Five. For PlayStation, exclusively for PlayStation does not mean exclusively for PlayStation Five. It could be four, it could be five, it could be a cross gen. It could be a brand new no game one for PS3 that they are bringing forward to the PS5 with their new software. <laughs> so just to show that they could do it. Just to show that they could do it. But, but um, anyway, so back, go back to the idea of the topic though is is yes. what will be. We got yeah. So 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 far, if you're keeping up with our terrible pacing of a topic, we are talking about that Resident Evil. Kingdom Hearts and Minecraft all got spoiled, and that is what people pretty much have pinpointed, and it's a pretty smart assumption that that was going to be a state of play. So we're trying to see what now. This, Resident Evil seems like the really the big, real, like, whoa, but the other two things seem right in line with state of play. The only thing about that is the Minecraft one seems weird because Sony doesn't own play, Minecraft, but it's so tied into my, PlayStation's things that, yeah, it makes sense that it would be a state well, of play. The, the, the important thing is, is, is that Realms is not coming. That's not the important thing. It is that you can now do Xbox Live on PlayStation. That yeah. would be the that would be the big summary hitter there. But what I'm still thinking that we're gonna get is I was I was sitting here thinking maybe some Elden Ring stuff, but I'm pretty sure that's gonna be at Game Awards more so than anything else. That seems reasonable. Um, but other than that, <clears throat> then some more Ghost of Tsushima stuff because they've been dead silent on that for a while, and I do not see that being a Game Awards thing. Yeah, and see, when you look at it and they go, updates from PlayStation Worldwide Studios, right? When you yeah. look at it that way, uh, last time they said that, it was Last of Us 2. Uh, so, And then we shortly after heard from Jason Schreier and some other people that originally... The Last of Us 2 was supposed to be early in the year, and then Ghost of Tsushima was supposed to come out around the middle of the year, and that Ghost of Tsushima had to get pushed because of The Last of Us 2's uh, delay. That's what we heard around the time that The Last of Us 2 was delayed uh, from somebody who normally is pretty accurate with what he talks about in the industry, regardless of how you feel about him. Um, And that's the interesting thing about that is... It would make sense that we've had a decent bit of time since not only the last state of play, but also the delay of who are you the talking last of about? Jason Schreier. Oh, okay. Um, I but, was like, who? Who? I don't remember anybody specifically saying that Last of Us Two got delayed. 
He's, he's right about just about everything else he says, oh, but I don't yeah, remember no, that he, one. He said that The Last of Us 2 is going to be delayed, and uh, before it even said it, he was right. And then he also said that internally, uh, Sony's Sony's internal plans that they didn't want to say out loud yet was that Ghost of Tsushima was going to be a... Uh, PS5 title? No, PS4 mid-year, like mid-year next year okay. uh, game. So the, the Last of Us was going to be February, and Ghost was going to be somewhere around like June. Gotcha. Or, or May or something. And then like the that. delay probably messed with and that. And the delay of The Last of Us to May pushed Ghost back to um, dang near the PS5 launch. Yeah. Uh, Potentially, or maybe like an August title, which I mean, it's still close. Very but close. you get to the point of uh, it makes sense right now for me to for them to come back and finally show ghosts. The only downside is is that this is still them showing it. Where if it's going to be an August title, this is still them showing it like nine months in advance. Well, we again, don't. We but would. we kind of at this point, we already know the game exists. We, we I know it's not canceled, but it's like might as well show us something. We haven't seen traditional gameplay footage of that game, have we? Yes, we with have with the hub and everything. E three twenty. Oh, no, not with the hub. Yeah, I'm talking they, about like they choose not to do that. Now they may in the ghost in in, in a state of play. They may on E three. They try and keep it like uh, they, they normally they do don't Death do Stranding. that for like yes. They they cut it for cinematic purposes. Because technically we saw a Death Stranding. But I want to see a real gameplay trailer of that game. Yeah, or a story trailer. Or, now we uh, saw what was what we were told was active gameplay yeah. and engine. So I don't know. We saw that with Death Stranding too, and turns out like I, I like that at all but it's like it, it doesn't really add anything of value to me it's cinematic i guess but what do you mean oh removing the hud yeah it's cinematic i guess but it's like at the same time it's well the game may not have a hud uh it, it actually may be for their own purposes you know they keep talking about uh looking at old japanese movies and like kung fu movies and stuff like that uh and and basing the things off of that um i could see if they're really aiming towards the visual aesthetic and everything coming from the idea of like looking at the old movies as inspiration not having a hud Finding a way where all the information that you really need is, you know, you could do it the, uh, a lot like Hellblade. Hellblade does not have a HUD. And it worked. I actually think it made the game, I'm not going to say better, but I enjoyed the fact that they tried to tell, to show you every bit of information you'd need without a HUD. It'd be cool if they did another Dead Spice style game. Like, and I mean that in terms of a HUD. Where Dead Space's HUD yeah. is pretty much on your back. Yeah, it's integrated HUD. It's a HUD without being a HUD. Yeah. In a way that makes sense, you know? Like... It, it gives the information to you, but it doesn't exist in the, it, it exists in the game world as a real thing, but gives the information to you as a character as a pseudo HUD. Yes. It's, it's a great idea, but I don't know how without technology, I'm not sure how you do that there. It'd be more like Hellblade where when you get hit, you see more and more red come around your screen and that tells you that you're getting, you're getting more and more hurt. Uh, and when you're one hit away from dying, you're going to essentially be screen almost completely red uh and when you're killing an enemy you don't see an enemy health bar instead you see their skin lacerate more and more to the point where you're like oh yeah they're going to be down dead after here in a minute. blow yeah uh, and i actually think the hellblade use that's a great extent i actually want to see more games do that i yeah. think minimal huds or no huds uh is depending on the game there are of course games you want a hud on i don't think a devil may cry 5 would make any kind of sense without a <clears throat> without a hud yeah um so we have ghost and we have elden ring what else you know, the thing is, is I, I'm trying not to go big on here because I find the timing of this interesting in a lot of ways. I think that they're trying to bump themselves against the Game Awards. So they kind of just get a little bit more attention from that. And I think that if these things hadn't leaked, something as big as Resident Evil 3 and then crossplay finally coming to Minecraft and Kingdom Hearts uh, DLC all at the same time, and then immediately followed up by more big announcements at the Game Awards, would have given the state of play kind of a bump. I'm like, yeah, this is what these should be. 
And I think that that would have been it. And it, what's interesting is that I think that that would have made for a great state of play. Uh, not, I don't, I don't want to say just great, but I think it would have made a really good one. Best one yet. Yeah. And when you followed up that way, it worked. But when everything, potentially, besides Ghost, when everything else has been leaked, it kind of leads you to this thing of like, most of the state of plays are like five games, maybe six. So we may have one or two smaller games, maybe an update on like Iron Man VR. I don't know, but... Ugh. I'm to the point where I think a lot of it was really going to be trying to be carried by Ghost, Resident Evil 3, and then Minecraft, and then, of course, Kingdom Hearts makes sense. So when you take all of those things, though, and you've already leaked them, the problem is is that those are the things that make sense for a state of play. Anything bigger, like you're talking about, the moment you start saying, hey, Elden Ring, maybe that's something we see, or maybe... I, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think we could, I think we could say that... That two employees and one from Sony and one employee uh, from Square Enix got fired over this past week. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? The dude who let uh, the website go active. The dude who uh, technically Minecraft isn't no, the Sony person's fault. So definitely a person for the Resident Evil website going up a little too early. Yeah, the PSN. And listing. then of course the leak of the um, trailer. Because right now I really like unless it's in the VR realm, and I really don't have any kind of opinion or not opinion, but any kind of input on that uh, other than what I would want. I mean, not even for what I would want or anything like that, because right now I don't really want anything. I just kind of want to get closure on Ghost, Elden Ring, and I really do think Elden Ring is going to be at Go- Game Awards. I don't no, think it has th- a that spot. makes perfect sense for the Game Awards. Yeah, what's crazy is that this game, despite being a From game, has not followed the same footsteps in terms of uh, info that all the other ones have as of late, where it's a reveal at Game Awards and then a teaser at um, E3 and then gameplay at. Um, um, sure, but in a lot TGS. of ways, doesn't this game also look like it's going to be bigger somehow? Like, I don't know I don't, why. I, I, maybe it's because of the fact they haven't followed well, the, the thing. The, the I'm getting cut. this feeling of like, is this going to be like a way bigger scale game than what they traditionally have worked on? Uh, an ending, the ending version of it, like the ending scene of it with that big guy with that big long sword standing out. Like people were theorizing that's a giant, and that's the, that's the game is that this is going to be like Dark Souls, but you're fighting giants, and they're all gods. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's that one's a weird one. It, it, I can't think of any other. Okay, Resident Evil Two coming at PlayStation's E3 and getting the marketing for it, dude. Yeah, made sense. So Resident Evil Three coming at State of Play before Game Awards makes makes sense. perfect sense. The fact that, and the fact that it was a PSN listing that leaked it shows yeah. that it was going to be PlayStation who did it, and PlayStation has the marketing again. So when you come around to that, well, and Sekiro being Game <clears throat> Awards originally, this Elden yeah, Ring yeah. making sense being well because Elden well, Ring was a and ex, or. A, was it at Xbox E3 or was it? Yes. I'm that was the sure. first time we saw it? Yes. Pretty sure. Uh, so when you, again, when you look at all that, you get to the point where I can't imagine, because you get like, okay, updates from Worldwide Studios. If it's not uh, outside of Ghost of Tsushima, whether Ghost is there or it's not there, who knows? Let's take, let's look at it from the, what other thing could there be from Worldwide Studios that they would be giving you updates That's on. That's the thing. Is there's nothing besides Ghost and Or updates Last on games us. that they've already showed us in State of Play. So Predator Hunting Grounds, Yucky. I doubt. I don't think that's what they're going to show. Iron Man VR, Yucky. which I think that they were wanting to be out. and I, I think that that game was intended to be out by Christmas, and it just didn't hit, and it, and it got pushed. So it could be that. I'm not going to say Yucky. I actually think the game is an interesting idea, and I think the same of Predator Hunting Grounds, but they're not huge deals. Isn't Predator Hunting Grounds essentially evolved, but with Predator... I mean, it's not Evolve. It's more like... Um, is it not a 3v1 monster game? I don't think it's 3v1. I think it's more of like Friday the 13th because it's actually made by the people that made Friday the 13th, Ilphonic. Uh, it's it's asymmetric multiplayer. It's kind of the same thing, though. It's just Evolve was a little different because it's, it's bigger in scale, I guess. I, it's the same thing, like where it's you and three teammates trying to hunt down the big bad or stay away from them. 
Yeah, I, I mean, probably. Or get away from them. But Predator would be the kind of would be the cool one. But those games just launch in such weird, like wonky states where Jason and all them they launch and they have tons of technical problems. Well, you hope that that's the thing about Ilphonic coming making this one. It's like, well, they didn't have a budget with the first one for Friday the Thirteenth. Really, it was kind of a weird situation building up. Maybe even a Kickstarter game, if I remember correctly. So when you get around to a Sony actually backing the game and bringing it through that way, the hope is that the budget and the time needed is there for them to make a better game or a more stable game at the beginning. So. These all look like the clear candidates, or those don't look like, not Iron Man and, and, and Predator, but the clear candidates look like all the things we've already seen. It, it, the state of play has been updates on things so far. Small games getting newly announced, so we might get another, like, you know, last time we got that um, Arise game. Yeah. There's probably going to be another small indie game that is announced in this, and day, either day and date dropped or announced for, like, January, like a really, you know, pretty close-up kind of game. And then you're going to get a big game that's further out, something probably like Ghost of Tsushima. Resident Evil 3 uh, appears to be first half of the year as well. Uh, for them to be showing it now and, and the PSN listing for pre-order, it seems reasonable that you'd be getting this pretty soon. That's what happened with Resident Evil 2 Remake. We saw it at E3, and then it was released in February. So what, uh, eight months later, I guess? Yeah. Um, so technically, Resident Evil 3 could be following that, but I doubt it. Uh, with them choosing to show it in the state of play and having a PSN page, all this stuff leads me to believe it's probably going to be first half of the year. Yeah, probably January, I would think. I don't think January. That seems too quick. Uh, now, February, maybe. Uh, I mean, but February, definitely. But um, January, I think they're going to try to surprise us with it. We'll see. We'll see. Because they'll be one year apart from uh, Resident Evil 2, and that wouldn't be a bad thing if it was February. So yeah. I, it, either way, it leads to the point of, the more and more you look at it, there's no other Sony big studio that could be showing anything. They're saying updates from Worldwide Studios, so it's not an announcement. Besides, uh, besides Ghost of Tsushima, um, we don't know of any other Sony-owned Worldwide Studio that is working on anything that's already been announced for PS4. Yeah. So it leads you to the point. The only other thing that might come is when the, all the rumors we've heard of Ratchet and Clank not being done on PS4. But I do, that doesn't feel like a state of play announcement to me. But no. it could be considering they've changed so it much away be, from the three three situation. I don't feel like it is. Um, I mean, the first one was a was a more budget friendly game. There's a lot of rumors around PlayStation on, on this stuff, though, and it, it, this happens all the time. We saw a lot of nostalgia driven things, you know, bringing it back up into the game awards. It, it's hard to figure out what would be at a state of play when you have a game awards that seems to be so much on the line. A lot of the leak that one of the leaks, just one that showed, was a Crash Bash remake, which is kind of like Mario Party but with Crash, um, and that would not be exclusive. So um, clearly, uh, but when when you look at that and you think. Okay, if, if any of this leak is true, they're showing a Crash Back, Bash remake, uh, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2 with like an April release date, which I don't think is happening. Uh, you see things like um, Metroid Prime Trilogy coming to Switch. These all look like things that are kind of safe bets because they're playing on nostalgia, and nostalgia is big in gaming. They're playing right on now. what people have been wanting, let alone yes. what companies are yes, doing. Exactly. They're not doing that. And it's not that people have been asking for Crash Bash, but I'm sure there's people who are like, I'm cool with Crash Bash. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. It's the same as like Metal Gear Solid Remake. People, people have been speculating Blue Point Blue on that specifically because that's what they want. It doesn't make sense that they would be working on that, but that's what they want them to be working on. Yeah, and it definitely doesn't make sense if it was a if if everything we've heard about Blue Point's next project being PlayStation exclusive. I Metal Gear Solid though, One clearly doesn't fit the bill because I don't think at this point that Konami would come back. Do a game with Bluepoint and then say it's only available on PlayStation after putting after making Metal Gear Solid Five a multiplayer. And they've game. confirmed that this is a exclusive from everything that has been around. Yes, yeah. it seems like that's the case. So I'm going to do a weird community's take for this one. 
Ugh, okay. So the day, state of play is going to come out the, the day after this airs. Yes. So therefore, you can't get us predictions uh, in a day that would make that would make sense. And then we'd have to go through and filter which ones we actually got before Tuesday and then time zones. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I want you guys to give us feedback on the show about where we where we write. Did you get what you wanted? And the, your general overall opinion on the show. So yeah, that's that, that's a good. The best way to word it is after this one. What are what are your current feelings in the, on the state of play after we've had this will be the fourth. What one? are your what are your uh, opinions on state of play and our predictions for the state of play? Sure, there you go. This You've got your community state. Is it? I think so. We've had two a VR. No, it is the fourth one. Two a VR than the normal. So it went one normal, one VR, one. The this last one. of us so, one, then, yeah, yeah. So then this one, yeah. So four, yeah. So four state of plays in. What are your thoughts on them? That'll be yeah. It's a good community state question. All right, guys, we're gonna see you later. Yes, Brett, yeah. take us to our patrons. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey. Shadowist Stephen Salazar, The Stoner, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino. Stefan Swanland, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, my boys, I keep forgetting to add in there, and I swear to you I'm doing it as soon as I get done here. Danny Yobos is actually a new one, and we appreciate you so much, Danny. Solitary Red, and of course, our man, Sam Coffin, have all come in. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We have Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Dylan Kirby, uh, and of course, if you would like to support the show, head over to our Patreon, which is in the description below. It's patreon.com slash nartech uh, and see what fits your bill. Thanks.